0: We've gone global peers, introducing The Build Up by Alibaba Australia New Zealand, our first global branded podcast produced by yours truly. This is a podcast that bridges the gap between comfort and fear, giving thinkers, doers and yet to be makers the advice they need but couldn't find to forge their own entrepreneurial path. Over 10 bite-sized episodes, The Build Up profiles a diverse range of Australian millennial entrepreneurs and Alibaba industry experts who are in the business of the build. Learn, laugh and dream big with good humans doing great work and get inspired to build an entrepreneurial journey of your own. Tune in now to The Build Up by Alibaba podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or at the link in this episode's description. Now let's get into this episode. This is the Peers to Peers podcast, powered by The Peers Project. Hello, peers. Welcome to the Peers to Peers podcast. Peers speaking, peers listening. This is a conversation for you. I'm your host, Michelle Akitano. Founder of The Peers Project, millennial entrepreneur, world traveller, podcast expert, and forever your fellow passionate peer. Each week, I invite inspiring millennial entrepreneurs from around the globe to chat with me. No filters, just real talk. Peer to peer. Together, we unpack what it takes to go your own way and why there's nothing better. As always, thank you for listening. If you enjoy our podcast, please do pass it on. The more peers, the merrier. Hello, peers, and welcome back to another episode of the Peers to Peers podcast. Today's episode explores coerced education expectations and discovering what we love. Our guest, Shireen Jaffa, is the co-founder of Edvo, an ed tech company empowering people with the tools to think for themselves and forge their own stories. In In this uplifting and damn motivating interview, Shireen gets real about what actually matters in the real world as opposed to what school and society tells us. She shares her tactics on how to gain clarity on what we want and why committing to ourselves is hard but not impossible. For those of you who haven't yet, make sure to take a screenshot of this episode right now, post it to your Instagram story and tag us at The Peers Project so that other peers out there can benefit from the wisdom of these incredible millennial entrepreneurs. Okay, without further ado, welcome Shireen. Shereen, welcome to the Peers to Peers podcast. We're so excited to have you on the show today.
1: I'm so excited to be here, Michelle. Thanks for having me.
0: Of course. You know, you and I recently connected over LinkedIn and when I looked into you and all of the amazing work you're doing in ed tech and in business in general, pretty much for the last 10 years, I knew I had to have you come on the show. So I really appreciate you (laughs) taking the time.
1: Oh, I am flattered. I'm always happy to talk about education and business all day long. So it's the pleasure is all mine.
0: Oh, I love that. Perfect. So look, for those of us who don't know who you are and what you do, tell us a little bit about
1: yourself. Yeah, so hi, everybody. I'm Shireen, as Michelle said. Um, I am a second-time entrepreneur, have been in education technology pretty much my entire career. Um, when people ask who I am, I am a deep empath. I feel a lot of, you know, just our humanity's problems and uh, have spent my career just trying to solve them. So uh, the big problem that I'm currently focused on is how do we help people get the education, the knowledge, the awareness, the self-agency they need to really thrive in life and make life truly theirs.
0: So it's so, so amazing, Shereen. And I can't wait to dive deeper into Envo and what you're currently building. But before we do, I'd love to start with a question that I've often found to be very insightful and revealing and that is where did you grow up and how has this impacted the choices you've made in your life and in your career (sighs) so far?
1: I'm, um, I'm chuckling because my <laughs> that question pretty much summarizes the reason why I'm in education. So mm-hmm. I was born in Pakistan and my uh, parents moved us to Palo Alto of all places when I was seven. And at the time my mom, my brother and I moved to Palo Alto and my dad was going to stay back in Pakistan for about six months due to visa issues. Um, but unfortunately, uh, we moved in 2001. And so 9-11 happened just a few months after we came to the States from Pakistan. Um, and so that meant that immigration got you know completely halted. And my mom and dad were separated for five years, physically oh. separated for five years. And the reason why I give this context is because You know, it was so clear to me early on that my parents made a huge sacrifice just so that their kids could get quality education. So education has been just like near and dear uh, to my heart since, you know, ever since I can remember. Now, what happened though in Palo Alto is that even though, you know, I was very fortunate to get access to some of the best schools in the nation. I was not like the other kids at my school. Um, I was not affluent. Uh, We were a pretty middle-income class family that had all of a sudden arrived in a very white, suburbia, affluent neighborhood. And uh, it was a beautiful neighborhood. And oh my gosh, I had so much love and so much support. But it was very clear to me that while my, you know, friends got to go to summer camp and uh, could, you know, pretty much pay for anything that they needed to, uh, I would have to pay for things myself, and I didn't want to burden my mom, uh, to, you know, pay for all these extracurriculars and all these different events that I felt like I had to be a part of um, to to succeed in life. Because in Palo Alto, the biggest, most common piece of advice that everyone was given was you got to go to college and in order to go to go to, in order to go to college, you have to be a well-rounded student, which occurs when you participate in these extracurriculars. And so I started working when I was 14 and from, I was probably one of like five kids out of like 2000, um, that were actually working, uh, these like very odd jobs. And so I did everything from work in real estate, uh, pretending to be an 18 year old when I was only 14. Um, I worked in, um, a retail store. I worked in a frozen yogurt place. And from the age of 14 through 18, I just got so much exposure, all different types of exposure to the real world. And that's when I started realizing, huh, what my school is telling me, what this, you know, being part of this, like, incredibly highly rated district, what they are telling me is very different than what I'm sensing from the real world. And so in high school, I realized while i was being told that where i go to college dictates success and how good my grades are and how high my test scores are these things define how successful i'll be the real world was telling me how you communicate matters and how you think matters and how you present yourself matters and how curious you are matters and how many different you know things you expose yourself to matters and what questions you ask matters and i just had this recognition that wow if I have had the um, opportunity to be part of one of the best education systems in America, yet they're not actually teaching me what I need to thrive in life. What the heck is happening to everyone else <laughs> in America and in the world yeah. right and so that has um, that triggered you know my career and why since the age of eighteen um you know, I've been building companies. Um, I founded my first company at 18 at Skillify, And then at 24, I founded Edvo, which is my current company uh, that I'm working on.
0: It's just so incredible, Shreen, the way you put that. And I think so many of us can relate, especially us young dreamers, entrepreneurs, you know, all the amazing, ambitious peers out there listening. How do you even process that at such a young age? You know, can you talk to us a bit about, you know, this confusion that came up for you and how you navigated through it and actually processed it into, you know, you headed to USC straight after college and did social entrepreneurship. Talk to us a little bit about how you processed that time and then what led you to go and study entrepreneurship.
1: Yeah, what a beautiful, beautiful question. Um, there was always a dissonance you know, there was always a dissonance. I think I was always processing a dissonance and um, embracing this like conflicting, um, you know, thoughts I was having where, yeah, I did go a USC, right? At the mm-hmm. same, even though I had the recognition that, hey, our education system, something's wrong and they're not, you know, I don't, I'm not being taught exactly the skills and I'm not getting access to the opportunities that you know will actually help me understand how I want to build my life and give me the skills and the ability to think for myself, right? Like even though I was processing that as this like 18-year-old, I still felt such immense pressure to go to a good university, right? And especially as an immigrant, especially as an immigrant. Like how can I tell my mom and my dad who sacrificed so much to give us American education that I'm not going to college. So that was just, you know, that was such a dissonance in my head. And so I did go to USC, but at the same time, uh, thankfully, because of the exposure I have had in high school and, and, you know, just getting out there and, and doing these jobs, um, I have thought I was going to be a doctor my entire life. And the reason why I have thought that, well, not my entire life, up until I was 16, I thought I was going to be a doctor. <laughs> And the reason for that was because my mom is a nurse. Um, my dad in Pakistan, my both my mom and my dad worked in the same hospital. And she worked as a nurse, my dad worked in the purchasing department. And so, you know, even though he was on the business side of things, he was still in a hospital. And so I grew up in that hospital. My daycare was in that hospital, I was around doctors, nurses, you know, health professionals. And so that influence, this desire I had to be a pediatrician, I, of course, and I loved kids. And so um, I was going to be a doctor. And then at 16, you know, thankfully, because of my, you know, my mom was incredibly supportive of this as well. But because of this focus I had in my teenage years to just expose myself to what it means to be a doctor and just to the real world in general. I had ended up shadowing one of my mom's friends um, in the pediatrics ward um, uh, in high school. And in four days, Michelle, I knew I was not going to be a doctor. (laughs) (laughs) It was so clear. Um, And, you know, this is why my first company was all about just getting kids out there to explore their interests, right? Um, And then the way I found entrepreneurship was... I had been talking to one of my uh, mom's friends and um, she she just, after our first conversation was like, Shereen, I think you'll really like business. And I just remember thinking, oh gosh, business is like schemy. It's like you sell things and like, you know, you try to like manipulate people into buying your thing. And, and no one in my family really was like a business owner. You know, it wasn't really a thing in my immediate nuclear family. And so I didn't really get it until um, I started, again, just exposing myself to different business owners. And so I would just start reaching out to people um, at my high school, like alumni, and just say, hey, I noticed that you are an entrepreneur, you have a company, you have a local store, you know, all sorts of types of businesses. And I would just ask them a million questions. And I just started realizing, wow, their day-to-day is nothing more than they've identified a problem and they want to solve it. And so that dissonance I was having in my head with education obviously highlighted, wait, Shereen, you've already sensed that there's a problem. Why don't you? Solve it. Why don't you find a way to solve it? And that um, inspired me to when I was applying to colleges. Again, giving into my other part of the dissonance. Uh, but when I did apply to colleges, I applied it for business schools. And so at USC, um, I got admitted right into the Marshall School of Business. And um, USC was one of the few schools back then where you could come in and instead of having to do GE's for two years and then you know doing business or whatever major, they allowed you to go right into the business school. And I pretty much, I like ended up doing this specific program that allowed me to skip a lot of the GEs. And so I was able to just at 18, dive into the entrepreneurship school and just start thinking about, all right, y'all, I've got a problem to solve, but how do I actually solve it? that, That was like my only mindset really at that point.
0: The million dollar question.
1: How do I solve this problem?
0: Oh my goodness. I'm absolutely loving this, Shireen. For our peers out there listening, what's your advice on this idea of listening to yourself, figuring out, you know, what it is you want to do and then actually going going off and doing that. You know, you mentioned the pressure from your parents to, you know, how could you possibly disappoint them? I'm, I'm sure, and I know so many of us feel that pressure and we go off and study things and we go off and do work that just to kind of please our parents. You know, how can we get clearer on the things that we actually want and then go out there and make it happen for ourselves?
1: Hmm. So I answered this question for you know, at Skillify when I was working with all these high school and college students, they were facing the same struggles and now I work with adults right and and they face the same struggles as at any given point you're trying to impress someone and you're trying to not disappoint someone and usually it's it's someone other than you, right? So this question is definitely relevant to pretty much anyone um, that I've spoken to. My answer to that is, recognizing that, you know, what helped me, what gave me comfort early on is no matter what I do, someone will judge me. And so I might as well do things that I want to do. So that was like one thought I had in my head. Uh, And it came from, you know, always doing things um, to, Uh, Whether it was to impress my professors or you know, impress the societal expectations of being in college and you know doing certain things for certain reasons. Like I would do those things and then I would still feel miserable and I would still feel like someone was judging me and not happy enough. Right. And I, I think I did come to a point, and probably back then it wasn't as clear as I can communicate now, but it definitely was this recognition of at any point, someone's always gonna be judging me and not. Be happy with me. So, all I can do is show up and do my best and do the things I actually want to do and do the things that actually make me feel my best. So, then the question was, well, how do you figure out what makes you feel your best? And my answer to that is, you don't. Like, you don't just figure it out. You have to try a bunch of things. You just have to try a bunch of things. I tried, oh my gosh, I tried finance. I tried, which, Oh, gosh, I tried finance, I tried sales, I tried marketing, I tried, you know, you know, I went into the pediatrics ward, I talked to a bunch of people about their jobs. And, you know, sometimes you might be at a point where you're like, oh, I've tried so many things, and I still haven't figured it out. And then my question will be, well, how many people are you talking to? because there are so many opportunities that exist out there that might not even be in your realm of existence, right? It might just not even be in your reality. that yeah, you can make money playing video games all day. Yeah, you can make money, um, you know, doing so many things that you might enjoy, that you just haven't been exposed to in the context of actually building a career or, uh, you know, contributing to the world in that way. So for me, again, all I can speak for is like for me and what I've seen has helped hundreds of thousands of people that I've worked with is number one, commit to yourself that you're just going to show up every day and try your best and try your best to feel good. And number two, the way to figure out what does help you feel good, just go and try things and talk to people and ask them about their life and, um, you know what they do day to day. And if you even have an inkling of interest of, huh, this part of their day sounds really interesting. I can see myself doing that. Cool. Lean into that. Lean into that spark of curiosity. Don't allow yourself to get stunted by anxiety of, oh my gosh, that's a stupid question. Why would I ask that? Or, oh my gosh, if I asked to... You know, shadow them, they're gonna say no, right? Like, I used to feel that anxiety all the time. And I can't tell you how many opportunities I've just not even um, seen because I've deselected myself, um, you know, just because of that. So I hope that answers the question. <laughs> it
0: totally does. And it, it answers it so, so well. The question I've got for you is, you know, you talk about this idea of committing to ourselves and I love that idea, Mm. but it's so tough, you know, especially in the early years where we're confused about who we even are, you know, how can we get better at committing to ourselves?
1: Oh my gosh. I just wrote a piece on this. Um, I write... I can't even say every week anymore. I just write when I want to write at this point. Um, But I have a newsletter called The Edvolution. And if you go to, it'll be live on our website, edvo.com in a little bit. But if you go to shereen.substack.com, you'll see that today, um, so timestamping Feb 18th, I wrote a newsletter called How Seriously Do You Take Yourself? And I I believe that we have a hard time committing to ourselves because for so long we've been conditioned to not take ourselves too seriously. Like I can't tell you how many times I've gotten the advice of, "Oh my gosh, Shereen, don't take yourself too seriously, right? Like have a little more fun, be a little more light." And I write some personal stories in this in this newsletter, um, but but my answer to your question is the what I've recognized is the amount, uh, the, how seriously you take something um, equals how much attention and energy you're gonna give it. So if you don't take yourself seriously, you're kind of saying that you aren't going to give yourself the attention, right? Because just naturally, if we think something is important, we give it our attention, right? So I I think my, my advice to folks who are struggling to commit to themselves is, you know, start taking yourself seriously. And I don't mean it from like the stressful, oh my gosh, watch everything you do. It's more, hey, think about what you need to feel good. think about what you need to be your best self. And again, if you don't know those answers, you know, take yourself seriously enough to go talk to people and find the answers to those questions. If those questions are an integral part of your happiness, take those questions seriously, right? Um, don't take what other people think of you. Don't give that more importance than you being happy. Right. So it's like when you shift your mindset and really just start thinking of it from the stance of, do I take myself seriously? Do I take myself seriously enough to invest in myself? Do I take myself seriously enough to be aware of the environment I'm in? Do I take myself seriously enough to find options for myself when the current options on the table aren't good enough? Right. And too many people settle. And by the way, guys, the people say this to me all the time. I don't come from a privileged background. So I don't think what I'm saying is something that's reserved for people who are privileged, right? Like, I understand the burdens of, you know, living paycheck to paycheck, and sometimes not even having a paycheck. Like, I understand that. And I wish someone told me that how I think and how I perceive you know, my importance and how seriously I take myself will help me see that I do have choices. And there are more choices out there than those that um, are presented to someone who isn't as privileged. So instead of just accepting that reality, recognize that you have way more, um, you have way more options out there if you're willing to see them, and if you're willing to take yourself seriously enough to go find them. Um, So that's, you know, that's, that's how I've learned to commit to myself. Um, And it's, by the way, it's a daily thing. It's a daily, it's a daily thing to get up in the morning and not pick up the phone next to you. Mm -hmm. Because if you take yourself seriously, you take your mental health in the morning, the, the opportunity to, whew, let me just, say, hell yeah, we're going to have a great day today. And let me just do my journaling and let me play with my dog. Let me like get up and give myself, guys, it can be five minutes, right? But let me take myself seriously enough to demand that instead of just grabbing my phone in the morning. So it's an everyday battle and it shows up in every little thing you do. Um, And that holds me accountable for committing to myself. And the more you do that, the more you start, you know, figuring out, okay, now I'm committing to figuring out what makes me happy and what does, and usually that starts with what doesn't make me happy. So you can remove that from your life and then make space for other things, right? So that's my response to that.
0: <laughs> when did that shift happen for you? It's just absolutely so inspiring. But when did that shift happen? You're so wise at 26, Shireen. Talk to us a little bit about the shift and how you managed to to
1: make that shift so early on. Hmm. Uh, I came to a point of desperation. I came, this was, I I mean, it was an evolution in process, right? So, um, but I clearly remember multiple points in my life. But the biggest one was, uh, actually like April of 2020. So just last year, uh, one of the biggest, I wouldn't say the biggest, but one of the biggest. And it was a point where I realized how I was thinking and how I perceived myself and how much control I took over the choices I made in every moment, all of those things, I was not doing justice. And I was not doing my best at. And the desperation was recognizing, you know, as an entrepreneur, I've got a responsibility. I have a responsibility to my own ambition. I have a responsibility to this commitment I've made to my co-founders and my partners. I have a responsibility to the investors that, you know, have chosen not to invest in something else. And instead, invested in me to co create this thing, right? I have a responsibility to my team because their paychecks are, you know, dependent on our success. (laughs) I mean, it was a point of desperation of recognizing I have this ambition and nothing is gonna make me happier than, you know, making progress in this direction. Yet, how I think and how I perceive myself and how, I commit to myself, it, it, it's not good enough. And so those it's like, you know, for me, my purpose has always driven me to just level up and to, to say, okay, if something isn't working for me, um, and I've done everything people have told me to do, then people just, you know, what they're saying might work for them, but it might not work for me. And so I have to go figure it out, figure it out for myself. And, and so my awakening of recognizing, I need to learn how to think for myself, uh, was probably like, It was probably, you know, at the age of like, 23. um, And it was from just, it definitely helped that I I felt like I had a lot on the line, right? Like, I felt like I had to, because if I didn't, then my ambition, like the desire I have to solve this massive problem that people face, the anxiety they feel every day, because They can't live a life that they want because they can't make sense of, you know, the financial markets or how our government works. And if you can't make sense of those things, you know, you can't then make the right decisions, right? Understanding the financial markets um, will help you with like figuring out how to achieve financial freedom. But if you can't make sense of those things, uh, and that's where education comes in, right? That's the, the work I do comes in. If I can't help people do that, then like, I'm just not going to be happy. And so it was this desperate, now that I'm talking about it, I feel like it was me just practicing self-love in a way of knowing that, mm-hmm. Shereen, you care so deeply about this. Take yourself seriously enough to level up. Just do it. Um, I'll also say my husband and my partner and all things, he's also my co-founder. Um, you know, he he and I found each other when I was 19 um, and he was 22, so he's three years older. And damn, he took himself seriously, man, like (laughs) he took himself so seriously. He dropped out of college when um, it was just not the cool thing to do. And uh, he's also South Asian, so it was like a big no no in our families. But he did it. He took himself seriously enough to say, I don't care, I'm going to do it. Um, On our first date, he told me he was looking for his wife. He took himself, (laughs) I know, I know, I laughed. I was like, I'm 19, man. Like, I'm not even in that headspace. But, you know, for him, it was, he's going to hate that I shared this, but he took himself (laughs) seriously enough because at the time he was like, look, I need a partner that is at my level, that makes me feel better, that makes me push myself, that makes me, can hold her own, right? That I can also empower. Like, I want a partner like that. Um, and I don't want, you know, the societal BS of gender rules and stuff like that. Like he had mm-hmm. made that decision early on. But he also knew, well, he also had requirements of I want someone in my community. I want someone who's aware of, you know, we, neither of us are religious. But to his parents, it was to both of our parents, it was important to marry someone within the religion. Um, because understanding each of those cultures makes things easier, according to them. Um, and so he had had these requirements. And so he knew that. You know, it'll probably, you know, the first person I end up dating, it might not work out because that's what the stats say. And then maybe of the second person, you know, that I find at this stage in my life might work out, but I would wanna date them for, you know, I have a five year rule. I wanna date them for five years before I propose. Like he had, he took himself so seriously that he (laughs) planned that, you know? And so it's like, how can you be with someone like that and not take yourself seriously? Mm. And so for me, I'm also so damn fortunate to be with a partner who took me so seriously that it would be crazy for me to not take myself seriously. And so, you know, to anyone that's listening out there, yes, like, I know everyone's heard the people you surround yourself with, you know, um, are who you become like, and, and yeah, that's, that's been like my most true, you know, thing in my life. Um, And I've been very, very, uh, intentional about the people I surround myself with, not just how they treat me, but how they treat themselves. Mm-hmm. Because you learn so much about how to treat yourself by how people treat themselves that are around you. And that, is, like any environment that I can put myself in, when I know people around are treating themselves in a way that I want to learn to treat myself, I will go in that environment. I will pick up my bags and I will go. And I will be there. Um, and so that's also you know, me taking myself seriously to do that. Um, but yeah, I hope that answers the question as well.
0: It's just so, so insightful, Shireen. And
1: you guys can't see me,
0: but I'm furiously nodding my head to everything she's she's been saying, because it's just so, you've been saying, because it's just so, so true. How can we find our tribe? How can we find those people that inspire us, that can help us when we don't believe or trust in our in ourselves?
1: Hmm. Man, I don't know, Um, I don't know if I found my tribe, (laughs) I don't know if like, um, Mm. you know, I I tell my husband all this like I don't think I have friends like I struggle every day. I don't know if I'm struggling as much anymore, um, because I've changed my definition of what it means to like have a tribe and have friends. but in the like in the in the traditional sense, right of of wow. having people that you can call up anytime time and like share moments with, you know, outside of my family, I, I don't think I have those people yet, mm-hmm. um, and so I'm probably not the best person to answer this question. <laughs> but at the same time, you know, something that you said when you don't trust yourself, how can you find those people? Um. Uh, I think nothing is more important than you developing self-love and trusting yourself. I think nothing is more important than that. And yes, you can find people that can inspire that in you. But man, like I wouldn't want to develop a reliance on someone else, right? So... While it helped, so while my husband totally helped me see my own power and helped me see how intelligent I was, I also, in parallel, had to commit to myself to see those things within myself, right? Mm -hmm. And I don't know if I would have even been able to attract my husband if I wasn't already confident, if I wasn't already. Um, focused on self love. And so even if I wasn't satisfied yet of how well I did it, it starts with like believing in yourself enough that resonance, it gets put out, you know, people are, are, are attracted to that. Um, so I just, I just want to add that is, is when it comes to finding your tribe, I think too often people say, well, once I find people who I vibe with, I will feel better about myself. And I just think that can be a part of it, but it's never going to be as true as you committing to yourself that, hey, you're freaking awesome. And find out why you don't feel that way. Find who or what in your childhood and in (laughs) your teenagehood got you to believe that you're not awesome because I guarantee you when you were born, you didn't think that you know, because you asked a bunch of questions and you put yourself in other people's faces because that's what kids do, right? And we're, we freaking love ourselves. And somewhere along the way, it gets trained out of us. And so go, and I'm not a therapist. <laughs> I am the daughter <laughs> of a therapist, but I'm not a therapist. Um, go confront those things and commit to reloving yourself and trusting yourself. And then I guarantee it's going to be so much easier to find a tribe um, if, if that's truly what you want, but don't rely on your tribe to do those things for you.
0: So well said, Tureen. I want to dive a bit deeper into your story. You know, you started your first business, as you said, at 18, and you ran that for almost 10 years. And now it's Envo, Edvo. And you mm-hmm. started that in 2018. Talk to us a little bit about the idea for Edvo, how that came about, and the first few steps that you took
1: to really get that off the ground. Yeah, so, you know, the beauty of starting businesses, <laughs> at least in my experience, is that you almost never know that it's going to be a business. <laughs> like When it, when I started Skillify, the intention was never, I'm going to start a business, right? And I think that just made things easier for me, is I started... Skillify because I just needed to solve a problem, you know, and I just, I just, it, it purely came from me realizing, okay, um, because I had had the exposure in high school, because I had been working, I had this exposure in high school that helped me realize my worth is so much more than what my school is telling me. And not only that, I actually developed the skills I need to now get all these like internships and jobs and, and things, right? Like I was, I knew how to network since I was fourteen. I had a resume since I was fourteen. Like those were not things I had to struggle with in college. Um, if there was an internship I wanted, I could have applied right then and there. I didn't have to go and learn how to do that. Right. So, I I figured out that that put me at such an advantage, and I hated that all my friends didn't have the same advantage. Mm-hmm. I've never I've never really been a person that was like, huh, too bad. Right. <laughs> like I, I always was like, I don't get why you guys also. Don't think like this, um, especially because this this is exactly how you want to think. So let me help you, and that is all. I, that's how I got started. I, I I put together. I remember this so clearly. Um, in twenty eleven. I sat in my dorm room and I just wrote like a a curriculum for a workshop on networking. Like, how do you build connections? And I put in all these, I like did all this Google search, blah, 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 didn't really find anything. And then I just said, okay, Shireen, how did you learn how to network? And then I just tried to replicate those activities in an interactive way. And I just like wrote it all out. And then I told my friends, like, hey guys, you know, I'll like come spend a weekend with me. I'll just teach you. And I didn't charge anything. It was just like, you need help? Like, let me just teach you. But the beauty of that is, like, like, I was just kind of doing this like beta test, you know, like <laughs> people were coming in for free, they were trying my curriculum, but I didn't know what a beta test was back then. This wasn't a business, remember? <laughs> and so I just like, I just put it out there and people, oh my gosh, like the curriculum was, inc- I'm, I'm still so proud of how well I designed um, the curriculum because honestly, even in over the course of like, The five years when we went from like having two students to, you know, hundreds of thousands of students, the curriculum changed like maybe 10%. 90% of it was literally the same as it was the first semester. And it was because it was evergreen. It was so good. I'm so proud of it. But again, it just started with me leaning into here's the problem I sense people have. Here's how I solve the problem for myself. Let me solve it for other people in the same way. And then let me see if it sticks. And that is all that happened. Then after that, um, the way it did turn into a business is, you know, I was teaching these college students, right? My friends were college students and I started noticing something else. So this is where like being, when you're starting anything, you also have to be open to letting it evolve, right? And be open to listening and understanding. So uh, the people that I was helping, my my college friends, they kept coming back and they said, oh my gosh, Shireen, thanks to you, I got this internship. But wow, now I know I actually am in the wrong major. Mm-hmm. I thought I was going to be a chemist and then I did this internship and absolutely not. I, I don't want to be a chemist. And so that, like, that was my next step of realizing, oh, I had that realization remember when I was 16. Um, And when I was in high school, I wasn't paying for school. And now here these, my friends are paying tens of thousands of dollars and only to realize that they're studying the wrong things. And so now they're wasting money. Why don't we just like have these realizations like I did in high school when you know there's less uh, at stake. So that's when I like pivoted and I started reaching out to um you know I I grew up in this like community and I used to mentor a lot and so I had access to my previous mentees who were now high school students and I was like hey you know you're so focused on getting into college but as a college student I can tell you these are the things that actually matter and also just to like kind of incentivize them you know if you have an internship in high school where literally it was like less than eight percent of high school students were doing internships back then um now it's like over 50 percent, um in in certain schools um at the time i was like and if you're one of the eight percent that actually have internships on your resume you're gonna stand out on your college application right so it's like i was able to just like help them understand the value of this based on what they were motivated by, right? Like, I didn't really care if people went to college, but that's what they cared about. So that's when I started just talking to them and giving them the same exact workshops. So never did I think, oh, well, these workshops were built for 19 year olds, will a 15 year old be able to hang? No, I was like, look, <laughs> this is exactly what they need to know. I had to figure it out was 14, 15. There is no age requirement to this. I'm just gonna like, Hold them to those expectations and try. And so that's what I did. And from that, like from that moment, it just kind of just became a cycle of, oh, this was amazing and so helpful. My friend also wants this. My friend, and just through word of mouth, it grew. And that's when I recognized, whoa, this problem that I want to solve, I can actually solve it. And let's just like, do it. You know, who cares if I've never ran a business before and no one of <laughs> my family's run a business. Like I'm in an entrepreneurship program. I'll try to figure it out. Um, and it just kind of grew from there.
0: That's so, so incredible, Shreen. I think the thing I love about, about you is your ability to make things seem a lot so simple, you know, I think so many of us, get caught up with this idea of business and I need the logo and I need the branding and I need the website. And for you, it was just like, that you just break it down so simply, you know, what Uh, advice?
1: (laughs) I was going to say, I wouldn't say that, right? Like I think in hindsight, (laughs) but at the time, like I remember starting, you know, like choosing the name Skillify, choosing like all these things seemed Like a huge deal. And guess what? If you are there now, cool. Because guess what? You'll still be successful as long as you still move forward. So it's okay if you are hung up on those things. That doesn't mean you're not going to be successful. It just means you got to keep moving the ball forward, you got to hold yourself to that. Um, And that's what happened to me. I absolutely got stuck so many times. I had some crazy moments in the business. I mean, Businesses are hard, incredibly hard. And so at that point, you just got to commit to showing up and doing your best and trying to have fun along the way. (laughs) Um, And when you're solving a problem you care about solving, it it just the motivation, you know, stays there. Mm
0: -hmm. What has been your biggest challenge or failure to date on on your entrepreneurial journey?
1: Um, So it was um, not taking myself seriously enough. Like, you know, when I decided I wanted to start Edvo, um, uh, you know, I had a few people said, you know, we'll acquire Skillify. Um, And then I had other mentors, including my husband said, do do acquisition, like do, you know, do run a process, run a process to get acquired, because what you have is so special. And we were, you know, profitable, you know, we were doing incredibly well. And it was just like I was, you know, I had a team of seven at the most people I've had. Um, And Uh, I was a solo founder. We had never raised money. Um, I myself had only invested outside of time, which is definitely money, but I had invested out of my own pocket, you know, a thousand dollars to get started. So it's like, it was just a clean business. Um, but I didn't take myself seriously enough. I, I, I didn't, I didn't see how special it was. And by the way, there are now companies that are valued. Two hundred fifty million dollars that have raised a ton of funding that do half of what we were doing at schoolify and that to me, and it's beautiful, right? Like mm-hmm. amazing, like I. I'm, but it it just goes to show to me my biggest failure was, and I do regret. Um, you know, and I would totally do it not in the same way as I would bet on myself again. And I would take myself seriously and I would run the process and I would be open to it and not just auto deselect myself because I think, well, who's gonna take this like brown woman founder with like, you know, our revenue is like this much? We're doing seven figures. like,
0: <laughs> wow. it like
1: Yeah, I, it was insane. So I would say mm-hmm. that is probably my biggest failure, but I will never make that mistake again, right? Like for me, And that's easy to say, because even after that, there have been so many times I've discounted myself, but that moment and that memory holds me accountable to when I do find myself discounting myself, I remind myself, Shreena, you've got something special, girl. Because if you've been able to do something special before, you're probably doing that thing again, just like stay true to it and be open. And if someone offers you a suggestion, just try it if you know feel into it at least you know feel into it and just evaluate it at least uh, versus just totally dismissing it which is what i did back then mm.
0: so so valuable oh my goodness Shereen, you and i could talk for days but i'm mindful of your time you know over the last almost 10 years in business you've really gone from strength to strength you've received so much recognition for your work most notably, you were featured on the Forbes 30 on you know, the 30 list. You're an avid angel investor and advisor. You've invested in a whole heap of startups and companies. I was so surprised to have a look at how many. And now you run your own podcast and it's called the Evolution Podcast, which I thought I mentioned as well. <laughs> what, what are three key pieces of advice that you'd give our peers out there listening that you wish you got when you were just starting out? <sighs>
1: No one can tell you what to believe. You've got to think for yourself. You know, we grow we grow up in a system, most of us grew up in a system where we didn't even question the textbooks, you know, that were t- supposed to inform us about the world, right? We never said, huh, like, who wrote this textbook? And, like, what perspective do they come from? And why do they have the right to tell me what to think, right? We never learned or were really taught the importance of doing that and i have like just in the last few years i've i've recognized holy crap i believed so many things that are totally not true and you know especially as a brown woman i believed so many things that limited me and are totally not true um, so, number one advice I wish I'd gotten and I give to everyone is please think for yourself. Um, and literally, my career now at Edvo is built to create tools and environments that help you think for yourself. So, that's number one. Number two, I would say, is uh, if something doesn't feel right to you, lean into figuring out why that is. So for example, I never could do the nine nine to five, man, like even the internship, I, you know, the only nine to fives I've done are in the internships in college. And I can't tell you how many days I dreaded not because I didn't like the internship, I actually really enjoyed my internship, but the the thought of like showing up somewhere at a specific time, even when I didn't feel like it, even when I knew that me sitting at that table for, you know, those eight hours, I'm not going to accomplish anything because my headspace isn't in that like space right now. That was so weird to me. Like, I don't want someone to pay me to just sit there, right? Like morally, <laughs> Um and also, I don't want to be told when to do work. And so, you know, I have not worked a nine to five since. Um, and and so the reason why I'm saying that is there are many things like that out there where societally, because everyone seems to have accepted it, we go with it. But if it doesn't feel right to you, please lean into it. And don't make the excuses of, well, I got to pay the bills. Because again, they're, especially now, I think, you know, once upon a time, yes, like, Unfortunately, we kind of had to give in. Um, But now, in this world, like we no longer live in a world where you have to do things um, in a specific way just so you can pay the bills. So, there are so many opportunities now. that there, there are creative ways to get that done. So, so lean into that, and again, take yourself seriously enough to question it and find those options. um I was not told that, and I had to figure that out myself, my way. If anything, I was told the opposite. I was told, listen to what people say, and look up to these people on the pedestals, and look at how they did it, and follow their exact way. That has never worked for me. Um, so, and if it works for you, amazing. But if it doesn't, just lean into that, right? And then the last thing I would say, what did I wish I knew? Um, (laughs) uh, Take your health way more seriously. You know, and I think that's something that we are told. (laughs) That is something we are told. But now that I'm 27 and I'm still so damn young, But man, oh man, I wish that I took more of an initiative to really understand how my body works Um, and not just like look at, you know, oh, eat soy, soy milk is good for you. Oh, no, almond milk is good for you. Oh, no, this is good for you, right? Um, Our food pyramid, for example, you know, that the government puts in our schools, like, that has nothing to do with nutrition. It has nothing to do with what your body needs. It has everything to do with people lobbying, um, you know, folks that lead agriculture, lobbying, you know, what we need Americans to be eating because it's profitable, right? Like, you have to look into those things. And so when I say health, I don't just mean, like, exercise, I mean, like take an initiative to understand how your body works because health is number one, like before anything else, health is number one. You can't do anything. You cannot fulfill your ambitions. You cannot do anything if you don't have your health. And I've had to realize that. And I'm glad I realized it now in my twenties. Um, but I realized it after seeing so many people close to me who are in their forties and fifties, never take that seriously. And now it's just they're struggling and it hurts my heart and I definitely don't want to be there and I definitely don't want any of you to be there. So that's the third thing I would say.
0: So amazing. I couldn't agree more. Shireen, I just want to take a moment to acknowledge you for the phenomenal work that you've done at your, and that you're doing. For Showing us that it's okay to question the status quo and especially us, you know, women of color and young women of color that, you know, we can make our own way and and it's okay. And you're just the pure example of that. And for that, we really appreciate you.
1: Oh, thank you. I mean, I had so many people uh, to learn alongside with and to learn from. So anything I can do for other people on this journey, I am happy to. Um, I will always, always preach, you know, self-agency and questioning and just create a life on your own terms. I promise you it's, it's possible in so many different contexts for so many people of all types of backgrounds. And don't let your socioeconomic level or where you came from limits you. Um, You make choices every day. And so be hyper aware of the choices you're making um, and make the ones that feel good, um, hopefully. (laughs) Um, So yeah, anyways, thank you so much, Michelle. I am so happy to be here.
0: Oh my goodness. Of course. Thank you. And the final question, just how we finish every episode of the Peers to Peers podcast. And that is, what is the value? of pursuing what you're most
1: passionate about? Your life. I just, it's your life. Like, you're going to spend your life making choices every day. Hopefully, the choices you make allow you um, to do the things you're passionate about. I don't think there's greater happiness than doing things that fuel you, that totally negate the concept of time. That, you know, and by the way, passion you know, doesn't just mean like the problems you're solving in the world. Like, it is totally okay to have a passion to live, you know, a comfortable life and to live a fulfilling life. Like, I am very passionate about traveling and I'm very passionate about learning about new cultures and I'm very passionate about solving problems and I'm very passionate about having financial freedom and having no one dictate how I spend my time and where I spend it. So, you know, that the value of that is my life. Um, and I will do what it takes to have that as long as it's, you know, morally, ethically. Okay. Um, so yeah, your life. So amazing.
0: Oh my goodness. Serene, we have had an absolute blast. Where can people learn more about you and your brilliant businesses?
1: Yeah, so advo.com, um, that's, you know, the website you can go to figure out what we're doing. It's available to anyone, pretty much. Um, we are in a closed beta, so, you know, by the time we launch and you can use our software to make better sense of the world and to think better and, and to, um, you know, really get down to the truth of things and make better decisions, Um Our hope is that software will be available to everyone very soon, but for now, it's in a closed beta. So if you do want to be part of the beta, you can go to edvo.com and you can sign up. And then outside of that, shereen.substack.com. Find me there. Uh, I write uh, frequently. My contact information is there. Feel free to reach out. Feel free to subscribe. Um, I would love to hear from any of you uh, and continue this incredible discussion Michelle and I've had
0: amazing thank you so much again shireen and for everyone else listening we will end with that peers that's a wrap thank you for tuning in to the latest episode of the peers to peers podcast we hope you've enjoyed your introduction to our latest guest peer and that you find them as gung-ho as we do which is our way of saying inspirational For more, make sure to subscribe to our show on iTunes, Spotify or any app where podcasts are played and leave us a review. We produce with passion and it doesn't stop here. To see what else we're up to, visit thepeersproject.com or follow us on Instagram at thepeersproject. We'll have fresh, real talk for you next week, Peers. Until then. If you need inspiration, look amongst your peers.